It is September 18th and a beautiful one at that. I'll tell you what, this past weekend was abysmal for the brand, <laughs> abysmal for my gambling. And last night it did not get better. I hammered the Seattle first half over at seven and a half points. They were plus two on the turnover chart and managed to score three. And that was because <laughs> of a long ball from Sebastian Janikowski. But I'm not too upset about it because I donated my money to a gambling site that has got <laughs> our back from the jump street. And that is mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag is the absolute greatest gambling site on earth. Let me tell you why, Todd. Okay. You can gamble on anything there. Uh, Foosball. Baseball. Highlight. I'm not sure about Highlight, actually. I am not certain if you can gamble on Highlight. <laughs> Reality TV. The Emmys were last night. You could gamble on mm -hmm. that. You could gamble on wrestling. You can gamble on everything. And it's not gambling. It's investing. When yep. you listen to shows like this, mm -hmm. coming to you live from the MyBookie studio, you use promo code PAT when signing up. You get 100% bonus on your first deposit. How much? Wow. 100%. Wow. How much is that, Zito? 100%. That's... Keep it 100. <laughs> that is a 100% match on your first deposit up to $1,000. Let's not get crazy. And, and. More? And. What? You do your little thingy there after 7 p.m. American Standard Time, Eastern Standard Time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast. Uh -huh. You get an extra $25. Just oh. That's them what? saying thank you for waiting until the evening. Because you listeners crash their site by signing up after listening to this show. They're like, listen, if you could call off the dogs a little bit to about 7 p.m., we would be greatly appreciated. I said, how appreciative would you be? They said, we'll give everybody 25 bucks. I said, well, God damn, 100% match and $25? They said, absolutely. I said, well, that's very nice. You mybookie.ag, promo code PAT. Let's get into this. Today, we got an interview with Maurice Claret that's going to change your world. It's a good one. Change your life. I, I, the 30 for 30 happened about him his whole life. You know the story from back in the day at Ohio State. Him leaving. Him Wait until you... I ask him the real questions. The I, real questions. The real questions. When I was hearing about a story, I wanted to nurse certain things. If somebody's just going to become a drug dealer, I want to know about how they're doing. <laughs> we want to know about the streets. Yeah, cuz. Hey, cuz. You running the streets? I want to hear about how good you running out there. You know what I mean? How good are you dosy doing down the streets? Do you have a gun? Yep. Got arrested with one. Mm -hmm. We'll see how that goes. You're going to enjoy this very inspirational conversation with Maurice Claret. I absolutely enjoyed it. Also, former teammate of mine, Joseph Adai, joining us. Mm -hmm. Joseph Adai, Colts fans and LSU fans might know, is a monster, monster running back. Mm -hmm. Now he's a full-time father, good guy in Houston, and was also one of my very close friends whenever I was early on in the Colts. A lot of people would never have guessed that. Me and Joseph, <laughs> me and Joseph Adai, very close friends. One of the only people that really took me in whenever I came to Colts. Very nice, him. Can't wait to chat with him. And we have all of the news stories happening in your world, our world, the world. And let's get right into it. Last night, Todd McComas sent out a vitamin thought tweet that really, it shook me to my core. <laughs> oh, before we get to that, my house is haunted. Oh, oh yeah? Yeah, we knew that already. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 There's it, new evidence? It's bad. It's bad. What happened? Sam and I are laying in bed last night. Yeah. 10.45. I'm kind of dozing in and out. I see a dropkick happen out of nowhere. I get a bunch of texts from you guys like, yo, dropkick just happened. Dropkick. I'm like, what do you mean dropkick <laughs> just happened? Then I, I, I rewind Monday Night Football. There's the Emmys going on. There's Monday Night Raw. There's Monday Night Football. It was a wild Monday on TV, and I was just tired. And I, I go to, I had them all recording so I could catch up on everything. And the Monday night, I go back to the dropkick, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't that impressive. And then I see the internet just is alive with it. And I'm like, 
oh, so maybe that is impressive to people. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, it was such an interesting technique there by Pete Carroll, mostly because Janikowski is one of the greatest onside kickers in the history mm. of the NFL. Like, anytime you played the Raiders back in the day, especially on that baseball field, if Janikowski was kicking off, you had to be very, very scared to his left because he would just run. Well, he would waddle, and then he would... He would <laughs> He's a big boy, by the way. Batting 285 in the knife and fork league, Is Jason it? Witten said about <laughs> <laughs> fell over last time. By the way, Jason Witten, very terrible. That is a hell of a punchline right there. Yeah. I thought he was much better last night. He's getting better. It seems as if, like, every fit, it drops out from him. It drops out. Did you hear what I just said? Fifth yeah, yeah, word, yeah. and it drops out. It seems as if he'll be talking and... Nowhere it'll just drop out. <laughs> Next time you listen to him, check it out. Because I think he runs out of breath, and then he has to catch his breath and go. And the uh, sentence, yeah. uh-huh. it just doesn't stop. He's like, this guy's really got a motor. And then, <laughs> I'm like, did he just say motherfucking? In did they just censor him out? It was very interesting. That's a hell of a punchline, though. So whenever they took him out in favor of uh, the drop kick on kick, was that after a safety? So... He did two drop kicks. The first one went deep. Yeah, he did the first. Uh, the the then, first drop kick but, w- was after a penalty from the fifty. You're trying to pin him. That is a very difficult kick for kickers to do off of a tee. By the way, to hit the ball short like that because it's like a fifty yard pooch, which is very difficult to do off of a one inch tee. Two inch tee, high schoolers can do it all the time. One inch tee, it's a little bit lower. Janikowski also, he is a home run fucking hitter. That's what the cuz does. But the second one was it after a safety? No, no, it was just because they they scored late they scored with like 20 seconds left and they needed to get it onside to win. so it wasn't after safety no okay so it makes no sense that they would do that i enjoy the fact that michael dixon is an absolute animal by the way 10 yard punt last night yeah, shaked one. i just kind of mm. brushed right by it <laughs> let's hope nobody sees it because he hit a 62 yarder out of bounds out of the end zone which is a huge punt little shank because of a bad snap bad snap can alter everything because it's a timing thing it's a timing thing it's like in a home run derby you know whenever harper's dad was getting missing his zone a little bit and you didn't see harper <laughs> hitting the dingers there that's a big deal that's what the, that's why the snapper is a very important part of the brand i don't give them enough love but they kind of you, you fuck up the rhythm it's a big deal so i just kind of went around that him doing the drop kick awesome he's an australian incredibly talented ball kicker i love it but the onside kick makes no sense to me because janikowski is literally the one of the best onside kick i mean there's a there's a person speaking in a microphone who will probably go down as the greatest <laughs> but janikowski is just a talented guy the reasoning they gave last night, and then the announcers have no idea. None. They, they, they got no fucking clue. Just like whenever a punt is down inside the one, and the uh, the coverage team bats it, as soon as the coverage team touches it, the play is automatically basically just a bonus for the returners. Yes. So when, uh, whenever um, Cohen, I think it was Cohen. Nope. No, uh, he picked it up and went in Lock the end it. zone. Yeah, Lock it, picks it up, and then he gets tackled in the end zone. Jason Witten's like, I think that's a safety. And <laughs> Joe Tussidor's like, I think so, Jason. And then every, I'm like listening. I'm like, you fucking idiots have no idea. The, the, the returners are taught as soon as the coverage team bats it, it's just bonus from there. You can fumble. They could take that thing all the way down 99 yards back the other way, fumble it on the one. The punt team recovers it. That thing goes back to the one yard. It's just all bonus after that. It's that so is, funny. Last 
last night they were saying Seabass is a horrible onside kicker. Yeah, because they said he's never mm-hmm. had one recovered in the fourth quarter ever in his entire career. <laughs> it's that's a stat. That's you look up. Look, just look at film. He hits his he's because he's a lefty first of all, so it's going the opposite direction because righties kick to their right. Janikowski in in onside kicks are tough to recover. That's just that's just something that it is. But I know that a drop kick straight out of bounds ain't it either. I know that's for sure. But Janikowski might have uh, lost it with his old age. He's good though. He's he was something you had to fear because he had this little left-footed toe poke. And he would put the ball right into that fucking baseball dirt in Oakland, and that thing would shoot up like a goddamn <laughs> jump rope. Was he wearing a game jersey, though? Was that like a fake jersey? I wore one of those jerseys. Looks like they're from Dick's. Yeah. Yeah, with the sleeves loose. Is there a reason why you choose that, or is that just like... I did it because I was fat that year. I was like 250, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and let this loose a little He's bit. I don't need this skin-tight operation. He's not skinny. I no. think Janikowski's <laughs> thinking the same thing. I got big gut. I wear big jersey. <laughs> that guy's the best. I love Janikowski, though. That oh, Seattle yeah. team is terrible, though. Yeah. <laughs> they are bad. Russell Wilson not good at football right now, and it might be because he's scrambling for his life at all times, but, man, they were talking about he just has no help. He has no That's because they paid him. They, you, yeah. you can't you, when you pay somebody like that, you, you, you put the whole team on his shoulders, and that's what happens. The Thanos... Get thing oh, that ESPN yeah. did. Yeah, now that I am a uh, big time superhero guy, <laughs> I love that move. That Seattle Seahawks team has just completely been torn apart. I mean, yeah. now that Doug Baldwin's hurt, like he doesn't have him, and Brandon Marshall's their number one wide receiver, but he's been in the league for twenty fucking years. <sighs> he always seems to just not win. Brandon Marshall. No, he's, he's never been in the playoffs. His always, entire career. So good. I watched him with the Broncos play against us. I think he had 15 touchdowns in the game he played us. I think he had maybe 15 touchdowns against us. He had like 21 us. catches, I think. Yeah, it was one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. Then you see him just on Showtime. He has a show every week on there. He's so well, speaks well. He's, he's all these stats and everything. And he just never wins. It's just like... It's a shame. You're like Joe Thomas, bro. You're like Joe Thomas, one of the best wide receivers in the history of the game. Just never, ever win. Never, ever win. This weekend, though, was fucking wild. Patrick Mahomes is an absolute dog. He's a beast. He is an absolute dog with a cannon, by the way. We used to have a show on Sirius XM. Somebody called in and said, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, book it. And we were like, well, let's not get crazy here. But we should have trusted a Kool-Aid man, Andy Mm. Reid, whenever he decided (laughs) to ship old MVP possibility Alex Smith out of town and say, yep, we got this young guy who's a monster. He's so good at football. I think we all knew he was going to be good. I don't think we knew he was going to light it up like that. This is Andy Reid's season though. Yeah, the first five games. This is Andy Reid's season. Kool-Aid man Andy Reid, this is what he does. Every year he comes out swinging. Every year they're hot. Everything like that. But I mean, I, I just, I don't know how you stop Tyreek Hill, Travis Kill. I don't know how you stop it. I uh, don't know. Steelers did pretty good stopping him. They had zero catches in the first half. So <laughs> haters said they couldn't stop him. And, yeah, you can stop Tyreek Hill. Then you got Travis Kelsey wide open in the yeah. middle. That, it's just one or the other. I'm going to hold off on anointing Patrick Mahomes the next great one yet. Like, let me see more than two games. Sure. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. I, I mean, fucking, but he is lighting the, fucking I mean, Fitzpatrick played good for two games, too. We think Fitzpatrick is all of a sudden a great quarterback, his 12th year in the league. Yeah, speaking of, get your Fitzmagic shirts <laughs> right now, although Fitzmagic has been trademarked by Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Smart. What the fuck's a Minka Fitzpatrick? He was the first-round pick for the Dolphins this year from Alabama. He's just playing chess, man. So I thought this was a porn star. <laughs> oh, I thought no. Minka Fitzpatrick was a porn star, and yeah. I honestly believe that. This I is another This is another football player oh, yeah. doing this? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was first-round pick for the Dolphins this year. He plays corner safety. This is another football player <laughs> cucking another oh, football yeah. player? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That ain't. He's, that ain't the union I know. He saw Fitzpatrick go off last week and go, ooh. 
Yeah. I'm going to take that trademark right now. <laughs> he beats the to the trademark a guy that's been in the league 12 years. Mm-hmm. Harvard guy. Just now having a good season. Well, yeah. He just found it's the hilarious. illusions, because yeah. it just now became magical. <laughs> All right, but that he but beat he, the Harvard guy to the trademark. Mm-hmm. Well, Fitzpatrick's studying film. He ain't got time. Yeah, That's yeah, a Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers PR job that yeah. should be knocking that down. He but, don't care. Who? Fitzpatrick. He doesn't care. No, he's 12 years in the league at yeah. quarterback. He's gotten so much guaranteed money from little stops everywhere. It's he incredible. just wants to go out there and sling his it. best life. Yeah. By the way, great shirt coming out for sale right now. PatMcAfeeShow.com. Go grab it. it. It's Even if you're not a Buccaneers fan, you'll love it. I'm going to wear it. I, I love, yeah. yeah, I'm going to wear it until nah, maybe not this week. I'll wear it after this week. Playing the Steelers this yeah, week? Yeah. Steelers got no fucking shot. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Not against Ryan Fitzpatrick. Agreed. He's dose, He's making plays right now on the run, scrambling, laying out, and then you just got the real housewives of Pittsburgh happening with the Steelers. Antonio Brown said, trade me yesterday. It trade never me. Ends. He trade didn't me. really want to be traded. Pittsburgh's the most blue-collar, fucking nose-to-the-grindstone city there is. <laughs> And all they got to deal with with their football team used to be the, the fucking steel curtain back here. Mean Joe Green, Mike <laughs> Webster, all these Greg Lloyd. You're talking about Bam Bam Morris, <laughs> Kiamatu Mahovala. Just badass after badass. And now they got to deal with bro in the strip club, mm-hmm. rapping. He's on a jet ski this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Just living his best life. Daniel Tosh said it. <laughs> Daniel Tosh at best. They say money can't buy happiness. Have you ever seen somebody on a jet ski mad? <laughs> Lev looks pretty happy. Lev looks like he's enjoying his best fucking life. Daniel Tosh was spot on about that. Then you got Antonio Brown asking to be traded. Ben Roethlisberger's hurt all of a sudden again, right? Got a bad elbow or something like that. This is like normal. That. This is every year. But this that's what no- I'm saying. This should not become the. This should not be the norm for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it, you know why it is? It starts at the top all the way down. If you mm-hmm. handle all this bullshit in the offseason, it's not a big deal. Now, granted, are the players asking for too much? I assume. But Antonio Brown yelling at his offense coordinator for not getting him the ball, and now you got the reporters in Pittsburgh They're saying Antonio Brown's the problem. They're the the best football player in football is the problem. That was mind numbing to me to wake up after a game giving up six TDs and however many yards, 300 yards, and to see them bashing A.B. because he yelled at the offensive coordinator. Because the entire Pittsburgh media wants to be the next Skip Bayless, so they just write stuff that no is going to get a fucking reaction. Ian's got no hope over there against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> they lost to Chicago last year in week three, and they barely beat the Browns in week one. It's the same as last year. They're going to go fucking 12-4 and four again. You guys tied a team that is just a perennial <laughs> poor decision maker. The Browns deserve to be in my barn of bad decisions, to be honest, because that's <laughs> all they make. Josh Gordon to the Patriots for a fifth rounder is just such... this. You know, whenever they were thinking about trading Chris Paul, I think, to the Lakers, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, and the yeah. commissioner came in and was like, no, 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 no. This is something that you would hope Roger Goodell would just be like, yeah, f- no, we, no. You can't fucking do this, Bill. This can't happen because this is what's going to happen. And the dog pound doesn't deserve this. They've watched Josh Gordon for years and years bumblefuck his career away, smoking the dope, mm-hmm. smoking mm-hmm. the weed, not paying child support, not showing up, doing this, <laughs> doing that. And then he's going to go to New England. You know what's going to happen? He's going to walk in that locker room, and Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the rest of the group is going to be like, hey, man, we don't fuck around up here. 
Okay, you either get your shit together or get the fuck out. And he's going to be like, well, I would like to get rich and be a Super Bowl champion. And Tom Brady's going to be like, yep, that's what we do here. And he's going to get his life on the straight and narrow. They got weed legal in Massachusetts. They'll keep him away from it. They'll just keep him moving. And somehow, some way, the Patriots are now favorites probably to win the fucking Super Bowl because they got a deep threat again. And it's all she wrote for everybody. Finally, the Patriots look human. They lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which they should have lost to in the AFC Championship. They lose, and everybody's like, this is it, me included. I'm like, this is it. Bill Belichick's losing his touch. The old school pissed off guy isn't going to work anymore. Tom Brady with the yacht and Giselle riding a camel. <laughs> riding a fucking camel. Gronkowski threatening retirement. Julian Edelman taking supplements nobody knows about. It seems that getting rid of handsome Danny Amendola. It's like, this is it. This is the collapse of it. And then all of a sudden, whammy. Bring in an avatar. Bring in a guy that can take the top off of a defense. And all of a sudden, they're back in the game. All because Cleveland can't help but act like Cleveland. They're the fucking worst. I hate that fucking city so much. It's not the city's fault. It is the city's fault. I don't think the dog pound in the city of Cleveland deserves this. First LeBron. First LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted to leave because the city's shit. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you need to relax. Ty Schmidt is wearing a LeBron James Lakers shirt right now. Wouldn't have been caught dead with a Cleveland Cavaliers shirt Zito on. Zito had LeBron's hair yesterday. <laughs> Bro, Zito, you need to do that. Hey. Zito got uh, the spray paint hair on his head from Balance the Barber. I used to have to say, though, the Bears are 1-0 with my new hairline. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Now, every morning you're going to have to wake up early enough to shower, hopefully put some fucking socks on, Do you? and spray paint your head again. This is some. This is going to become a whole morning routine. I have talked to Mike, and I am on the way of buying all the supplies for that. Mike the Barber comes in every single Monday and just does work to people's heads. He did the James <laughs> Conner cut, which got... Criticized roughly on the He said that a white guy did it. False. A white guy did not do that. He came in and he trimmed up my my beard as if it was like a, a chin strap back in the day. A little mm -hmm. bit too tight for my liking, but I'm not going to say anything because he sprayed it down with some shit to make it look thicker too, Ooh. so I appreciate that. And then he gave Zito a hairline all of a sudden. This guy, I appreciate what he does, but... He needs, he needs to take it easy on this beard. <laughs> He's like Bob Ross in there trying to shake my shit. I thought it looked good. I appreciate that. It means, but in two days, I'm not going to be able to do this. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? This uh, is like an artist on yeah, my yeah. face. Right. And in two days, whenever what hair does, what does hair do, Todd? It grows. It, when it, I can't fucking do this. What am I supposed to do? He has it like perfectly shaped. What am I? Get a fucking, uh, uh, like one of them canvases? He should have made a stencil for you. <laughs> Just put the stencil on your face and you shave around. That's it. what I'm gonna need. You know yeah. what we have to stop him by? We have to put a mirror in front of us because we never know what he's doing. Yeah, because we're staring at a blank wall. <laughs> yeah, we got to put a mirror there. Yeah, I fell asleep too in the middle of it last night. <laughs> it is relaxing. It is really nice. He's got a good soft touch. <laughs> good soft touch. I feel good. But the Browns can't help themselves. Mm -hmm. They can't help themselves, and it's a shame because it seemed like they were gonna have a good team this year. Ah, uh, I fucking hate. So that. the kicker Zane Gonzalez, they knew he was hurt. He yep. had a groin injury. Yeah, this sounds like a Zane Gonzalez's people PR spin here. Is that what it is? I think so. Because if your groin hurts, it is a big deal for a kicker. Because you're using a lot of groin, hip flexor. I mean, it's a lot of pull there. Mm -hmm. And now, with that being said, Tordal can power you through that. Let's, it's, unless it's ripped, which if you're hitting 52 yarders wide right instead of... Normally, if you're hurting, 
you're going to like duck hook because you're pulling in. So the ball is going to go left. It's going to trail left. But also, if you can't get through it, you're going to push it right. But having a 52-yarder spray that high and that far right makes me think it wasn't a ripped groin. It might have just been a little bit of a pull, which definitely sucks for sure. But Tordal can take that away. And I, I don't know if Zane Gonzalez is taking Tordal or not, but that's definitely a rough outing for Zane Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. it's, and if he was hurt, they probably gave him an option to sit out, but he sits out. He's never going to be on the team again. So yeah. it's, it's an interesting situation. You know what I mean? It's one of I don't blame them for cutting him either way. You have to after that. Mike Zimmer, by the way, <laughs> when he was asked why he cut the kicker, Daniel Carlson, and he responds with, did you wash a fucking game? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Coach Zimmer, why'd you cut the kicker? Type of fucking question. <laughs> he, he missed three kicks, one being a 35-yarder to potentially lock up a money line win for Pat McAfee <laughs> in Indianapolis that he bet his fucking house on. That was unbelievable he did that. In those four of the brand videos, a lot of people ask if I film them live or not. Just go ahead and watch that one back. <laughs> you can just hear the max bet drain my bank account while he misses that. I was ready to lose my shit for the Viking Carlson. I was ready to do the Viking clap thing. <laughs> ah, ah. But instead, here we are, worst gambling weekend of my life. Double that down on fucking Russell Wilson last night. So you covered it for like the press conference, but for Boz, for Bosworth, how does he bounce back? Boswell. Boswell. Bosworth. Boswell. Yeah, the Boz, I mean. he had a rough That's one too. Yeah. Uh, so he has the yips, right? I don't think, yeah, he's overthinking everything right now. Whenever we drank with Boswell at Tequila Cowboy, same place Todd Haley broke yep. his hip at. Swinging same him. place that has a little person as the oh, main security yeah. guy who's awesome, by the way. James. He, Boswell was there and Jordan Berry were there, mm. the punter. So we were all drinking together. Boz is a smooth cap, by the way. Had a chain on. He's, he's nice fade. Nice, great fade. He had a Texas, a Houston fade in there. It was real tight, Paul Wall looking yeah, yeah. thing. And when I was talking to him, I'm like, man, you hit the ball just so pure. Because he does. That's what he does. He hits the ball so pure. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, man, I just swing. I don't really think much. So then once you see him start missing, what happens is there's a lot of thought that goes into it. So it's just like in golf, right? You get over the ball and you start thinking about everything. There's a good chance that you're going to overthink it and you're going to fuck yourself up. I mean, it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Same thing with kicking, same thing with punting, any craft. I'd assume pitchers, same exact way. If they start thinking about hitting the, the strike zone or something like that, like, oh, I'm doing this instead of this, it becomes paralysis by analysis. And I believe that is what Chris Boswell or Boswell is happening right now. You get $20 million, that becomes a lot of pressure to become the guy. Mm -hmm. you, get, you get paid. And everybody wonders why college kids suck, kickers suck. And I sucked for a while in college. Kicking is 90% mental. So whenever you add the pressure of having 75,000 people watching on national TV and you're 18 years old, 19 years old, the only thing you can help with that is experience. Some people got it, some people don't. And you throw these kids who are playing high school soccer probably in front of 45 people into these stadiums and they got to do a minute craft, a very minute swing that you can either overthink or not think at all. And I think right now Boswell's in his own head. Hypn hypnotists do work with this. Oh, this I is know. something sports hypnotists do work with it. I mean, there's a guy in Pittsburgh who's a noted guy who something does it. About. Yeah, a hypnotist would work to kind of get him out of his own head. But also, I think a nice rub and tug or some vitamins would <laughs> just make that happen. Because at the point now, if you're Boswell, if you're at the point now, it's like, it hey, can't get any fucking worse right now. Might as well just go swing. I'm already rich. Like, that's the thought that you need. But that's a veteran that you need to tell him that. Yeah. So that's why if they brought in a veteran punter, that was potentially going to be signed today to them, potentially he would be able to go in there and be like, hey, man, 
just chill the fuck out. Like this is not that big of a deal. You're you're you can't get any worse. You're already rich. Just go swing. It's it's one of those things where you just kind of got to let it ride, and that becomes a big deal for a lot of people. Daniel Carlson, the rookie. I mean, he he's one for four in his career, right? Mm -hmm. And once you miss one, then you start like, oh shit. Then you start overthinking and overthinking in golf. Kicking, pitching, all these crafts that you have to master, the, the analysis in your head can really become the brain, the, the killer to it all. And that's why if you get the yips, then you start thinking about the yips. It's like when you're laying in bed at night and you can't fall asleep and you're like, why can't I fall asleep? And then you start thinking about why you can't fall asleep. And then you're <laughs> overthinking everything. And next thing you know, it's an hour and a half later, two hours later, and you're not sleeping yet. It's that type of thing, but in front of millions of people happening. It's really a, it's a mental game. It is 100% a mental game. And that's why you see people who can – like Zane Gonzalez, I said yesterday in the press conference, he's going to need a passport not because his last name is Gonzalez, not because of that, <laughs> but because he's probably going to end up in Canada, maybe. But there's sometimes the guys that can't get out of this. Like you, you just start overthinking everything, and you can never get out of it. And that's not a shot at the CFL. Obviously, if the CFL guys were good, they'd be in the fucking NFL, so let's not get crazy. I think they're good. But it's all a mental game. Everything's a mental game, and all these guys, I think, just got in their head. Now, obviously, there's some technique misses that you can have. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, like Goskowski, Crosby, these guys who are just perennially awesome whenever they start missing you assume it's just a technique thing or maybe the hold was off a spot because an inch either way off a spot is a whole miss as well I mean these are it's like setting up for a drive and having the T move right before you hit it I mean that's going to fuck you a little bit could be anything like that but for a lot of the young folks the young guys it's a mental thing and they just can't get out of their own way that's uh, it's a tough thing, and for me, I was always too dumb. So it was really cool. <laughs> it, was, it was really, it was really, really cool. I would miss, and I would be very upset about it. But the next time I go out there, I'm not like, oh, I wonder why I missed. It was just like I was so I was like, I don't want to get that pissed off at me again. So let's try to make it better. And for punting, I had no clue what was happening. So <laughs> my first couple of years, I'd hit a shank, and I had no idea why. So it's not like I'm overthinking it. It's mm -hmm. like ah, I have no clue why that happened. Well, let's hope it goes better next week. <laughs> it was a pretty fun little thought. So, like, having amnesia, basically, is the best thing for a kicker? Just forget it? No, no, because I don't think you should forget it either. So, I used to get so mad at myself. I used to get so mad at myself for fucking up that I would not want to feel that way again. Everybody would be like, you have to have short-term memory. If a corner gets burnt, they can't think about it again. I think that is not accurate all the time. Now, do I think if you just act like it didn't happen and just kind of urban mire it, I mean, that's not a bad move. <laughs> or Joe Paterno it, or uh, just any school in the Big Ten, just act like it didn't happen. That's not a bad play. But for me, I handled it a different way. I would get so angry. I'd get so angry at myself whenever I'd miss. I'd be like, all right, I'm not going to feel that way again. I do not want to. So I would remember it. Like, uh, I hated how I felt there. I feel like I almost busted a blood vessel in my fucking head. I don't want to do that again. I just think there's different ways to handle everything. But whenever you're doing the action itself, you just kind of got to let it ride. And just, I think that's really the issue with Boz. I think that's the issue with Gonzalez. I don't think he has any hope. I, don't, I, I honestly think it's going to be about a year or two before he can get that out of there. That becomes something very difficult. Charles Barkley's had the yips, what, 10 years, 20 years? <laughs> and his golf swing, he's one of the best athletes of all time mentally. So it's, it's just one of those things where you just got to kind of get it out of there. Goalies, same thing. Mm -hmm. I think goalies get in their own head yep. too. This is it's these situations that are these positions where you are only operating in a very quick time period there's a lot of thought that can get in the way and it's it's it, it that's what happened to the brand on sunday a lot of things tough look for the brand i often wonder if it's my fault no. <laughs> they're trying too hard it's bringing <laughs> all this spotlight yeah i know people are gonna watch this yeah like yeah. i wonder if because thomas morstead told me last year 
after he hit a 60-yard ball on Monday Night Football. Uh-huh. While he was jogging the sideline, he was like, Pat, better a fucking saw that. Because <laughs> it, it's becoming a real thing, you know? So it's, it's a situation where I wonder if I just... I'm not going to, though. I'm going to continue to... I mean... Uh, like the athletes and, and legends that are happening yeah. on fourth down. If it's too much pressure, you could just quit. Maybe halftime. <laughs> Greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Favorite move ever pulled off by a football player. Hey, 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 coach. I, I hear you and all that, but what I would think it was, I'm probably not going to go back out there, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they scored a couple touchdowns, dog, on me, and it's just been a rough go. So I'm thinking third, fourth quarter. Maybe you guys play somebody else. <laughs> what do you mean, Vontae? Yeah. Oh, I'm leaving, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting my shit, and I'm out of here. <laughs> what do you mean you're out of here? Yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> what do you mean? What am I? I'm gone. I retired, too. You might as well just say, yeah, tell the team. <laughs> tell the team. What am I supposed to tell them? Tell them I'm tired. <laughs> Manzino just went back to the Hard Knocks clip of him when he got oh. caught. He goes, I got I to gotta call my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dog. Man, I know people might dub me for this, but hey, dog. Hey, I'm getting cooked out there, bro. <laughs> I, I, I really like this team either, man. I mean, we in Buffalo. I like Buffalo wings. <laughs> But when it came to the bill, I didn't really like the bill much. <laughs> hey, dog. That's my favorite impression by far. Dude, I love Vontae, man. I was very lucky to be his teammate. He came out of Miami uh, when he came to the Colts. And he was a wild animal in Miami. He had a Ferrari. He was living wild. He was out every night. He and Joe Philbin didn't get along because he wasn't exactly the player that they wanted down there. And he self-admittedly said that Miami was tough for him. Uh He said, I had a lot of money and there was a lot of options in Miami. So when he came to the Colts, he, he saw it as like a... A reprieve almost, like to kind of slow down yeah. his life. He got found a lady, he's got married, he's he was in the hot tub every day, starting to act like a vet, hot tub, cold tub, training room. And I got a chance to be around him a lot, a lot, a lot, both in all those situations. Vontae was a very good teammate to us, a very, very good teammate. And that is whenever he get excited, hey man, hey man, hey man. <laughs> that's how he spoke. He was uh he always knew his job. He was a, a prime time corner for us. We paid him a lot of money. He was shutting people down, locking people down. I don't know what the fuck happened when he got to Buffalo. I think he he might have had that because corner is a position, and Vontae always had an interesting gait. When he ran, it always looked like he was in pain, and until it was game time, it was when he was wide open. But corner is the most athletic position on the field because you are covering the fastest people on the field. So it's not like it, it, widely in the football community, corner. We talked about this with Dion, right? Corner is the most athletic person on the field because you have to cover who a lot of people think is the greatest athletes on the field. And if you have one thing wrong with you, whether it's a groin, a hip, Vontae's had a couple injuries, I think a hammy at one point, if you have something wrong with you, you can get exposed quickly. And whenever you're out on an island all by yourself, and if a quarterback sees that, and I think a touchdown or two happened against Vontae in the first half, I believe, against uh, Phillip Rivers. I believe a touchdown happened in the end zone. I think something else happened as well. You can get exposed quickly. And that can become a very miserable situation if you're an elite corner and you're just not at your top game now granted does that excuse just leaving at halftime hey dog 
I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that is a cool thing. I think waiting until after the game is probably the way to go because there's guys that could have been brought up to the roster that are on the practice squad who could have played. There's people that could have got opportunities during the week to showcase that, blah, 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 all that shit. But I do believe Vontae, and he, he said in a statement, he didn't think he was good enough anymore, and he probably got in his own, in his own head at halftime. He might have went and took a shit, and while he's sitting down on the john, I ain't going <laughs> I ain't going back out there. <laughs> Bro, I'm gonna get... No way. Philip Rivers, no, I'm not at the top of my game right now. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and he goes back out and he's done with it. But to your teammates, that's pretty disrespectful. I, I could see how a lot of the teammates did not enjoy it, right? That's... But for me as a teammate with him at the Colts, like... I congratulate everybody was coming after him, and I sent out a video congratulating him because <laughs> I like Vontae a lot. I mean, I like Vontae a lot, but that was a bad, bad, bad move. I, th I think he would admit it too. Like in a couple, like maybe in a couple weeks, if he comes on the show, a couple months. I wasn't thinking right. I wasn't thinking right. I just, I just thought I had to get out of that patty bag. <laughs> I can't wait. I put him in my quitting hall of fame. You know, I respect a good quitter, and he's in my hall of fame. Him, France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they quit halftime too. Yeah, they did. Very French move by Vontae. He Do you think something else happened? Like, like no. a someone no. told him to play, and they're like, "No, I'm injured." Or Imagine like that. playing no. as long as he did at the highest level and being great, and then all of a sudden you you He's have that epiphany it. of like, "God damn it, I can't compete anymore." It's got, I would fucking walk off too, part. I would be just so devastated. Remember you know in preseason, remember in preseason, what uh, what's his face did to him? Uh, John Ross. John Ross, who ran a four two, he literally turned Vontae in a circle, and that went viral. Mm. That went viral with the quickness, uh -huh. and that is something where I'm sure it got in his head, kept him moving. And he's like, man, <coughs> I just ain't got it anymore. Yeah, it, and that's just gotta suck. So wait, bad. Waiting till the end of the game is something <laughs> yeah. definitely you should do. Sure. And just have a conversation with your teammates and the coaches saying, hey, like this ain't like before I retired, everybody on the team knew that I was done. Everybody. I had told everybody at this point. Now, granted, I did it on Comedy Central, whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I, I think that was the he owed his teammates that, I think. I do think that. And I think he'll even admit that at some point. Like, hey, I kind of fucked this one up. But the NFL is nonstop action. And football is nonstop action. There's so much drama happening at all times. Last night, Todd McComas, who was a detective for 20 years, used to, used to sit people down at a table and interview them. I want the truth, he would say to these people. You can't handle the truth, they would say. He put out a tweet about Urban Meyer's interview that really made me go, huh? Uh, huh? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I watched Bull. Mm-hmm which is about Dr. Phil's life as a trial scientist, basically. Comes back next week. Yep. Monday, new night, new time. Yep. Which sucks, by the way. Monday Night <laughs> yeah. Football, Monday Night Raw, mm -hmm. and now fucking Bull, my three favorite shows, are all on the same goddamn night. They like to you keep on your Bull toes. Did, Bull never brought this up? <laughs> no. So Bull, there's always like a... Colonel Mines did. There's always... Really? Oh, yeah. There's always like a... Uh, like, oh... Your foot is facing the door, meaning you're uncomfortable and want to exit, blah, 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 blah. But they never dug into how people answer or look. Todd, you sent out a tweet last night that was very interesting about the Urban Meyer. Could you explain the whole situation, please? Yeah, and I, for the people that spent four hours Googling to th let me know that I wasn't thorough enough in my explanation in 250 characters, let me expand. 240. Right yeah, 240. Yeah. I, that's <laughs> fucking what I hate the most. But anyway... 
All right, body language. I said body language to simplify it so it makes sense to everybody. Mm-hmm. Technically, it is neurolinguistic programming, like which that. is simply how your brain reacts. Hold on, hold when on, you hold on, hold speak. on. Those people all Googled, and it seems like you Googled as well. That word you just used there seems like you looked that up with it. You've no, done I know. He wouldn't be able to remember. I, that's if part he just of the Googled school. It. It's a very basic. Part okay, of I'm the sorry school. I interrupted. Yeah. <laughs> so it's neurolinguistic programming. But if I say that, people, it's you know whatever. Body language makes it simple to understand. So neurolinguistic programming is what, how basically how your brain, as best I recall, reacts to when, how you speak, how you communicate in language and speaking. So it used to, cops would say or were taught, oh, if a guy looks up and to the right, he's being deceptive. It's not that simple. Then it grew to uh, whatever is your writing hand. If you look up and toward the side of your writing hand, then you're creating because that's how you write. Right, and if you look to the opposite side, chances are you are recalling from memory. Mm. Dix so, is writing these notes down, right. by the way. So I know more. So I thought it was. <laughs> I, I studied this too. Oh, of course, you sure. Criminal Minds. Did I watch 120? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, when he said uh, that he had viewed the, hadn't seen the photo of. Courtney Smith until a week ago, and then he corrected himself, and he looks up to that side. I, immediately, I was like, um, that was interesting. As I'm a like, guy who sat in a investigative yeah. chair and mm-hmm. had to interview hundreds, yeah. if not thousands of people. Right. Yes. Same way, like if I was a detective in that moment, I just, it's out of habit, wanted to grab my notebook and write three weeks, question mark, photo, right? I'm going to come back and revisit that. And but then I had to explore is he right handed? I need to check that out. I did. I saw him throw it out first pitch at a baseball game on a video. <laughs> How was like, it? Oh, he's right handed. How was it? Pretty good. He's pretty athletic yeah, yeah, for an old guy. Yeah, he's athletic. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so once that was there, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And for and for the people that were googling for hours and responding, yes, one behavior, one single behavior isn't a one hundred percent indicator. There could be other explanations. Yeah, sure. They're a cult too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every Big Ten school seems to have a cult like following, which is good for business, by the way. I'm not uh I'm not gonna knock it. We all know he knew. So basically if you like all right, so I'm gonna take what I saw there and put it in a police interview setting, right? So his interview would have started with baseline questioning. I would lay out simple, um, easy-to-recall answers, like instant recalls, like what's your date of birth, what's your address, things like this, just to get you in the routine of answering truthfully without thinking. And then I would expand the baseline questioning to a question or three about uh, something that you have to recall from memory that you would have no reason to lie about. So in his case, I would be like, uh, um, how long exactly have you known Zach Smith? That's not something you can snap off usually. That isn't something he's been rehearsed to know. Right, like in right. his head, he wasn't thinking, okay, this is the questions I'm going to have to answer. Right. That's something you get him off of his. Like whenever a uh, telemarketer calls, you get him off the script. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. getting him off his script. Yes, got yes. it. Got it. So then you boom, get boom. an honest reaction, right? So he's think boom. Now the rules should be he looks up until he's left. But however he reacts, you note it, all right, because I know he's telling the truth and he had no reason to not tell the truth. Give him three or four questions like that. And then you hit him with the uh, photo question, and you look for an abnormality or something that's different. And what we had here, boom. I'm like, all right, now I'm on to something. If I was, that's simply what I was saying in the tweet is this is interesting because normally this would be something I would mark down and really dive into. So without being there for the baseline questions, right. you can't 
100% say that he was, which is I'm sure what the Ohio State people are like. Well, you don't know. This could be a different, everybody acts different. The brain sure. is like a snowflake. Everybody is different. It could have been a sure. fly on the wall. Anything. But what you're saying is that was something whenever you watch Something's it, you're there. like, oh, yeah, wait a minute yeah. there. Like, and then I would, so from then, I would like to, if I, man, I would have, I was like, God damn it, why am I sitting in that chair and the one interviewing him? But any it's good, any decent detective would do this. <laughs> I would then, since I made note of it, I would follow up with like more questions about that that required more detailed answering about the timeline. I'd be like, well, where were you when you saw those pictures first? Oh. Blah, blah, blah. And make him think. And then I watch how he reacts. So I'm, now I'm looking for multiple signs of deception that for on the same topic, right? We all know he knew, right? That's yes. we're all in that yeah. we're yeah. all in that boat. Yes. Yeah. So I have a question. Like he was doing an interview, so he obviously had to look and make eye contact and all that. Mm -hmm. But like if you were interrogating someone and they just kept their head down and their eyes down the entire time and answered everything, like they were looking at like a piece of paper oh. in front of them. Uh -huh. Would that be a tactic that would be useful against you in terms of trying to not admit anything to you? Oh yeah. And it's that's like poker players who wear sunglasses yeah. or a turtleneck. Yeah. Because their heart would beat harder on their neck. Mm -hmm. I would always wear a hoodie, and if I wouldn't wear sunglasses because I want to look at the person. But it's there's yeah. always ways to beat that. Do you guys make people like take everything off? Uh, you try to disarm them as much as you can, so that's where it, like it separates good detectives from great detectives or good interviewers to great interviewers. Like you, you take breaks, you reset, you, you you're like, oh, he's you know what, he's being way too guarded right now. I'm just going to shoot the shit, shoot the shit. I'm not going to talk about anything important. Until he, until I see him open up and see his body language change a little bit. How many criminals do you think you became friends with, just shooting shit with? They, uh, they thought you were becoming friends with them. Probably all of them. <laughs> Ninety percent of them. I still think this could possibly all be a sting. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Todd working here. Yeah. I still think this is the biggest Man, thing. It's the longest thing. He's got a time. laundry list of evidence by now. It's yeah. probably Grigson hiring him. Like, oh, I need some shit on fucking McAfee. Get in there. <laughs> Get in there. You figure out whatever he can do. You piece of shit. Unless yeah. he's a double agent. He's a paid narc now. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting though to watch. That was very yeah. interesting. And I definitely think he's bullshitting. You know, like I, the question I wanted to ask him once I got to that point would be like. Uh, so you, you're going to tell me right now that there's no chance that anyone else would have told me or anybody else that they shared that picture with you via text message or email prior to three weeks ago. And then I want to see what he looks like when he answers. Got you. And then, so a lot of it's body reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah now, I if think you went in there, he would ask for a lawyer. The lawyer would do all the answering. But, yeah, but being with, Urban Meyer, yes. Yes. Or yeah. somebody of that status. Yeah. But are. I think the issue here with Urban Meyer is – He's on such a big platform, and he's supposed to be a leader of young men, right? Mm -hmm. Guidance. This is a, that's like with Rich Rodriguez. I mean, we won a lot of games, but there's no way that's guy. That's a guy that our our team looked at each other and was like, you know what? That's a guy we want. to yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy we want to be like. You know, uh -huh. it's one of those. That's the situation. It's like uh, and the university more so than even him, in my opinion, because given the fact that they proved that. He lied about having been arrested ever in his life well, on his application when he was hired by Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer knew that. Let's we're going to dive into Ohio State here in about a minute and a half. I think this. <laughs> I don't want to say that this is a bash Ohio State podcast, no. but there's a lot of things that Ohio State has done strictly for money and power, which yeah. I guess from a business standpoint, you have to you can't respect it because that's all they're thinking mm -hmm. about. But this interview you're about to hear is about to be an eye opener for Ohio State fans. I think for possibly just people who. 
watch the NCAA in general, how the yeah. NCAA operates. Mm-hmm. Maurice, Maurice goes in here a little bit, yeah. and I'm very lucky that he did that because I feel like we got a chance to see a side that not often happens. Now, before we get to that, we got to talk about a company that we all love mm. very much. Zito even more so now that he has that hair. <laughs> no matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best, Zito. Smell being a big part of that, Zito. <clears throat> they have amazing shower stuff, hairstyling products, toothbrushes, and toothpaste, and of course, razors and shave supplies. Oh. I love everything they have. Everything. everything. Now, granted, I have to use their shave butter mm-hmm. because now I got to keep this line. Yeah. And I never had to do this before. Now it makes sense why it's see through shave butter yeah. so that you can keep your line. Oh, yeah. Dollar Shave Perfect. Club changed the game with this. Mm-hmm. It's not Tim McAfee's old white puffy where uh, you have to just mm-hmm. guess and draw the line on your Ugh. face. Crooked ass beard afterward. Crooked ass. <laughs> Crooked ass Tim McAfee beard having thing. My mic just went out. We're in a bad spot. (laughs) That's how I get ready is with Dollar Shave Club. But you're not me. You have your own way to get ready. You might shave your whole body to get ready for a bike race. Huh? Yeah, I would. I used to do that for Mm -hmm. soccer. Need that speed. Mm -hmm. I have a need for for speed. For speed. (laughs) Dollar Shave Club's executive razor and shave butter can help. You might do your hair to get ready for your soccer match. Boogies by DSC can help you get your style right. Oh, at Boogies. Oh, fucking Boogies. Oh, bo- I didn't know they had Boogies. Yeah, Boogies. Bro, I didn't know they picked up Boogies at DSC. They oh, got yeah. Boogies. It does your hair good. Yeah, it does. Zito. Todd loves, oh, yeah. Todd, Todd loves oh, it. Oh, man. You go out and you, you could cover a hurricane as, as a weather person. If you were only your so hair, lucky. Boom. Even one of them fake ones. The, yeah. the one where the guy faked it for the video. <laughs> and then they doubled down, by the way. They doubled down. Yeah, well, he was standing on grass. But it's a bad name. It became us a bad name. The thing is, us. The thing is, no matter what you do to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need. You down with DSC? Yeah, you yeah. know me. Right now, you can get ready with an amazing deal on any of their starter sets. I recommend the Daily Essential Starter Set because I love the Amber Lavender Body Cleanser. Oh. But you can't go wrong with any of them. Head over to dollarshaveclub.com slash America to pick up your own DSC starter set for just $5. After your starter set, products ship at a regular price. And make sure you check out their new video too that's dollarshaveclub.com slash america dollarshaveclub.com slash america absolutely incredible stuff changing the way you bathroom cleanse smell and look i love dollar shave club the best yeah they're awesome i think uh changing the way you look is something ohio state should think about doing (laughs) clean it up todd thanks for that by the way that was very interesting thank you behind the badge that's something we get to do here a little uh Little neuro linguistic programming, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I think you're gonna enjoy this conversation, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us now is a man from Youngstown, Ohio. He was a running back for the Ohio State Buckeyes and led them to a national championship. Some controversies followed that led to him leaving the Ohio State Buckeyes. His life story is one that I cannot wait to dive into. An incredibly talented human who's been through a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find him on the Business and Biceps podcast with Corey Gregory and John Fosco. He runs the Red Zone, a mental health and drug recovery agency, Maurice Clorette. 
Yeah, that was a pretty cool intro. Hey, I appreciate you, Maurice. And and I don't want to I don't want to take much of your time here. I'd love to dig right in because you have one of the most fascinating stories in the history of football. And I think your story does a lot of uh, motivating and inspiring to people about co- overcoming adversity and stuff like that. So let's get into it. You go to Ohio State. You're being talked about as the greatest running back on earth. Is that some of the most precious times you've ever had in your entire life? Uh, so one uh, most precious, uh, I would say yes. Uh, very notable. Uh, I think for for any kid, you know, when you uh, when you're playing football to ultimately, you know, go to a premier college and have success. Uh, you know, I think is a is is a goal that that a lot of young guys have, and uh, to that went there, and to you know just uh, the teammates that were made, the practices that were had, the memories, uh, even though they were short lived, uh, those things were uh, those things were were better than great. You know, they were fantastic, and to uh, uh, to accomplish so much in high school, and then immediately to go to college and uh, within a 13 month span, and to accomplish you know what we did in our college. You know, I, I wouldn't trade those memories for uh, for the world. And, you know, those things happened back in 2002 and three, And, uh, you know, still to this day, uh, no matter where I'm at around the country, uh, we were, I mean, I'm able to uh, still talk about those and, and leave some impressions upon people uh, that are lasting. Buckeyes fans love you for what you did for them. With that being said, the 30, 30 for 30 came out about you, and it seemed as if the AD wasn't the biggest fan of Maurice Claret, or he wasn't the biggest fan of possibly the situations that were happening. Is there bad blood there between you and Ohio State, or have bygones be bygones since then? No. Uh, you know, just for the story they made it, you know, for the national story, it came off like, you know, I had a problem with Ohio State, but it was actually just me in a uh, in a tiff between the athletic director and you know at the time you got to take everything in context at any context you know uh, you know he may have felt like he's got slighted for me uh, and you had two big egos that were basically going against each other and you didn't want culture you don't want power and you didn't want race you know I'm, I'm the inner city black kid who comes and makes this big splash on on TV uh, and then I'm just being totally irresponsible with my power. And then you have uh, him who, who who's not going to be pushed around or or disrespected by this kid who who thinks he owns the university. And so uh, I think if we if we both had a chance to do it over again, uh, that we will do it or we would do it. Uh, and that's kind of uh, where it was. But you know, me in Ohio State, we've never directly had problems. It was just a, a disagreement or a way of how we should do things at 18. But you know, I was 18 years old, and you know, I'm pretty sure if you take any 18 year old. Uh, and you give him a tremendous amount of power uh, and a tremendous amount of uh, uh, just leverage over a city where you have more people saying uh, yes rather than no, uh, uh, that, that, that they may make the same mistakes. And so uh, everything is good between me and Ohio State. Now I don't make it down as much as I would like to uh, be at that, you know, just the distance from the university is about 40 minutes from my house, 30 or 40 minutes from my house. Uh, but I usually make it to a couple games a season and, uh, and I'm just happy to see that, you know, those young guys are off doing a great thing this season. I don't want to dive into the negative, but I feel like it's a huge part of your story and a huge reason why you're so inspiring. Your exit from Ohio State revolved around a lot of situations. There were death threats I heard being involved. There was a lot of there was possible money involved. There was arrest. There was a murder, I believe, involved. What is everything? What is your side of kind of the events that unfoiled there for you in Ohio State's uh, kind of kind of interesting uh, separation? 
Oh, I mean, it was uh, it, the 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 irony, like I said, everything was dramatized on TV. Um, my my reasoning for getting left or, or leaving Ohio State was something like uh, you know, a fifty dollar check. Uh, all of the the lies uh, that I told uh, the NCAA. So for every lie that I told them that they went to go and investigate, you know, they they gave me a, a sanction for, and I had about like one hundred and twenty five sanctions, and they were asking me. Uh, endless amounts of uh, questions about, you know, teammates and things that may have taken place. Uh, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have a a, uh, a situation where I was taking tens and, and not even a thousand dollars. I didn't, I don't have a situation where I was taking uh, thousands of dollars from boosters and cars from everywhere. Uh, I, I used uh, a car from a, a a a used car dealership. Uh, the car had got broken into it in the process of the car getting broken into. I reported the car being broken into on campus and. Uh, from there, uh, that was the extent of uh, of the car situation, and that happened like in April of 2003. Uh, later on that year, they came back and they said, you know, how, how could you as a college student have, you know, $800 in, in, in uh, three or 400 CDs, you know, those CDs that used to be back in uh, back in the day in those big bookcases, you know, how could you have those things? And I said, well, those things weren't mine. They were actually in the car uh, that I used from the dealership because the car had recently got repoed and the dealer kind of let me use the car. Uh, because it was a cool-looking vehicle at the time, and that raised so much suspicion as if these were my items. And literally, if you look, if you go back and look into the text, you know all this stuff is uh, easy to get your hands on. It's public information. Uh, I didn't get suspended for anything like that. It was like a, a $50 check I had received, 40 or 50 bucks I had received from a gentleman to come to a kid's party, uh, lying to the NCAA about my whereabouts and where I lived at. You know, I lived in my aunt's condo. Uh, and I thought that that was illegal at the time, but I lied to them about where I was living at and just not being forthcoming about everything that they asked me for is essentially why I got suspended. And uh, the, the, the turn came from this. Uh, most people don't realize that when you do get suspended, your your university has to recommend a sanction. And the, and the crazy part about it is that the NCAA uh, said that they would have been fine with three or four games, but the, the university actually uh, uh, recommended the entire season or just suspend me indefinitely. And that's where uh, the bad blood became in with, uh, with me and Andy Geiger because uh, he had an opportunity to say, hey, I'll sit you out three or four games. The NCAA uh, would have been totally fine with that because it wasn't like, you know, I accepted 50 grand from a booster. They were like, hey, this guy just lying a bunch. Let's just put him on a recorrective action plan. Uh, excuse me, uh, you know, slap him on the wrist or do something like that and get, get him back into the game. Uh, but the university uh, wanted to make a bigger statement. And the bigger statement was made because they knew they had Jim O'Brien, who was the uh, basketball coach at the time, uh, getting ready to get suspended. So they wanted to act like they were harsh on this stuff. And so Jim O'Brien, who's the basketball coach, and Andy Geiger, they're real good friends. And so, you know, let's penalize hard to, uh, to Maurice Perrette for the disrespect he's given, and let's uh, lay a light on uh, on Jim O'Brien, uh, the basketball coach. So there's a lot of politics, a lot of stuff that I ended up filing out. Uh, after the fact, but you know that's that's water under the bridge. But I just gave you the story uh, just because you know you know you asked. Hopefully, it wasn't too much. It was it was amazing, Maury. <laughs> I just learned so much right there that I never knew before. Because the thought yeah. of the thought of the Gustapo NCAA finding down a sanction for every lie an eighteen year old tells them, who's straight out of the streets of uh, Youngstown, who's finally getting a chance at the limelight. The, uh, the adults didn't seem to act like the adults in this particular situation. They seemed to like they acted a lot more like childs or children instead. Here, here, here we go. I give you I give you another situation that was comical, right? So 
uh, I had a booster in high school, a gentleman uh, who was a booster club of a high school friend, or, or he's a booster club of ours. He's a, a friend of the program. Uh, he ended up getting me a cell phone my junior year in high school, right? And every month that he paid the bill, that was a different infraction. So instead of just saying, hey, you use a cell phone, and it was illegal to have a cell phone in high school, every month that the bill was paid, uh, these people gave me an infraction. So uh, if you if you can round up, you know, maybe 36 months, that was 36 of the 125 infractions. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, you know, when you look into this, if you go look at other people's suspensions that were highly notable, and they got like a quarter of a million dollars, uh, when you when you just shake everything out, you know, these facts aren't hard to find. When you shake everything out, this was like this was not um, uh, this was not like some big NCAA scandal where you know I had piles of money, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It just wasn't like that. This more had to do with uh, uh, Jim Brown versus Andy Geiger and Maurice Claret uh, being uh, the person who disrespected Andy Geiger and said, "Hey, you know, these guys lied about sending me home." So this was a pissing match, but it, but nonetheless, a lot was oh. learned from it. You know. Uh, a lot that I would, you know, I wish I didn't have to go through, but nonetheless, a lot was learned from it, and I'm a better person because of it. That's all I can say. They're fucking 18 years old, though, at the time. I mean, so they fuck you over. You get suspended for a year. That kind of <laughs> turns your life into a complete different momentum than it was at. You're at Ohio State, leading them to a national championship. I'm assuming the thought is I'm going to grind in this offseason. I'm going to keep it going. Hopefully, NFL hopes with how everybody's talking. And instead, your life goes in a complete opposite direction. Am I correct? Yeah, so, you know, I got suspended in uh – this was probably uh, the biggest time, and, and you know, from being just a football player, right? Uh, you know, you, you have stress with performance, but uh, it's easy. You know, if you want to get better in the weight room, you go lift some weights. If you want to get better from a speed and agility standpoint, you know, you go and you know, run through some ropes or, or lift more weights or do whatever you think you can do uh, to better to better become a better athlete. But what actually happened was uh, I've never dealt with personal stress, right? And so when I was dejected from the uh, the actual university. And I was kind of like put on the sideline per se. Uh, I just didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know what to do with all that time. And in dealing with all of that anxiety, uh, what I didn't realize is that I found uh, the, the the mood changer uh, back in the bars. You know, back drinking, back drugging, uh, back smoking, and you know all of this stuff just wasn't uh, a part of my program prior to going to Ohio State. Right? I thought that I was going to be like the next golden child and go with a couple of Heisman trophies and you know work my ass off and eventually you know become you know become who I wanted to become. Uh, but that's not kind of how things played out. And uh, what eventually happened was like you know I was just so stressed out. And so confused and so, you know, fucked up from the moment just to be blank, blunt with you, uh, just smoking weed and popping pills and drinking and, and having a ton of sex is what actually felt better. You know, but when I look back on it, uh, I wasn't doing nothing but just trying to alter my mood and, and, and escape actually, you know, what was going on. And so, you know, there, there's a few things people can't teach you uh, and, and being famous is one of them. You know, saying nobody tells you how to. Uh, steward the fame that you uh, that you receive when you're either a professional athlete or a collegiate athlete, and, and chances are, if you uh, you don't have a good support system, you know when when a huge adversity moment hits you, uh, you'll kind of stay in the same situation and be fucked. And and literally, I just kind of isolated myself. You know, uh, the more success I seen guys have on the field, it felt like life was passing me by. And, uh, and eventually I just kind of like isolated myself and, you know, drinking and drugging became a thing. And uh, I just kind of le- like left away from the world. You know, I went out to uh, Southern California. I really thought that uh, hooking up with Jim Brown and going to um, 
excuse me, uh, L.A. You know, at the time he had a, uh, a program called American where he was helping guys uh, transition from prison. I thought like just being around that vibe would help. Uh, but when I got to L.A., it was a completely different culture. You can drink and drug all day and nobody says shit. And so when I got out there, uh, it was just uh, it was it was more of the same stuff that I was doing in Ohio. And, uh, you know, uh, when, when nobody's kind of like there to check you or hold you accountable, uh, you can become self-destructive and not even know it. And kind of that's what happened. And uh, eventually, you know, everything kind of caught up to myself with uh, going to the combine. I went to the combine and I thought like wholeheartedly, I was like, man, I'll go to this combine and perform very well. And, and, and I'll kind of recorrect everything. But uh, just the abuse from the uh, prescription pills, the party, and then the kind of fucking around, everything had came to a head. And, uh, and, it's, and eventually uh, things just kind of went, from, went downhill from there. Were you running, were you uh, selling drugs and shit like that? Or did I hear that wrong? Oh, yeah, so when I was done with football, I didn't have a way to uh, take care of myself. And so I literally said, you know, what am I going to do to take care of myself? And I just got back into the streets. And so uh, just like any other guy, you know, who, who's participating in street activity, you know, in between selling dope and selling marijuana, uh, it was just kind of like my thing to do. You know, it's kind of how I took care of myself. You know, when you look back on it, you know, uh, and, and I just want to mention it just because your platform is so huge. You know, oftentimes with these young guys, we go to these universities, and we actually think that we're beating the system uh, by, uh, uh, by by going to these bullshit classes. You know, like when I was at Ohio State, I took, you know, officiating golf, officiating softball, independent studies and women's studies. And uh, in the time, in that time capsule, you think it's a joke. You think that you're beating the system. Uh, but when the football is no longer an option and you can't physically play and uh, uh, that university isn't part of your life, you know, when you got kids and responsibilities and you have all of this other stuff, uh, that is uh, that that are real things in your life. You start to realize that you weren't taught shit. That you were just basically pushed through a system and used for athletic ability. You know, a lot of these guys, including myself, come from failing school districts. And I just think there's a responsibility that the university should take. That you know, even if we're not going to get you uh, the greatest of scholarships from here, if you can't academically perform, we should at least take an initiative to uh, raise your current level of uh, reading, literacy, uh, uh, mathematics, and everything else. And so that was just uh, my, my two cents on this. So when it happened, you know, I just turned back into the same character I was, you know, before football started. Uh, and eventually, you know, what was I doing before I got into football? I was into crimes and, and all the stupid shit like young kids. And football kind of saved my life. But once football uh, uh, didn't factor into my life anymore, I wasn't able to play. I turned back to the same kid, you know, just a big-ass kid who can play football, uh, who thought that, you know, just being a gangster was more important than growing the fuck up. And that's and that's it in a nutshell. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's at West Virginia. We had a lot of guys who couldn't even read, but they were there, and it was just a situation where you really do watch the university just use them for their athletic ability. Now, granted, they're getting a lot out of it too, right? A potential opportunity to get out of the streets, move up, move on, potentially make the NFL and all that shit. But if it fails, there's not a lot to fall back on. Whenever your degree is in athletic coaching education, there's not really much you can do. So I see that all the time, and I respect you coming out and speaking about it. Let's get back to, did you work for a gang? Were you being by yourself? Did you try to build your own empire? No, no, no. I, I was literally by myself. You know, I ran with guys in my neighborhood. Uh, I come from Youngstown. We don't have, uh, gangs are not super prominent. Guys are are, are more um, uh, geographically. They are, if you're from the south side, you you know tend to hang with guys from the south side of your neighborhood or north side or east side or west side or wherever you have it. So it was just pretty much the activity amongst me and the guys in my neighborhood. Too many Italians there, too. you got a lot of <laughs> Italians there. 
Yeah, yes, we, we do have a. Uh, it wasn't with a bunch of Italians, but we do have a, a bunch of Italians uh, in a rich Italian culture uh, within the city of Youngstown. Too many, man. I'm from Pittsburgh. There's too many fucking Italians. You're, there's four. Oh, so, so you're right next door. Yeah, you're right next door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Italians. Uh, so now I see you. You do a speaking circuit. Uh, you're out there basically telling your story, and I, I assume that's to inspire and to motivate others uh, that they can overcome adversity as well. Uh, why don't you talk about that a little bit? How can people book you if they want you to come talk? Your story is incredible, and you coming out on the other side of this as professional and clean as you are is very remarkable. I hope you know that. Yeah, so uh, I mean, most, most of my speaking engagements are booked at mauriceclaretteonline.com. Uh, I do three things. Speaking is probably the least of what I do, but it's probably the most visible. Uh, and so uh, I do speaking engagements. I've spoken probably you know, over 400 times to uh, different universities, uh, businesses, uh, whatever whatever you can name. I've probably spoken all, all on these different platforms and at these different venues. Uh, but everything is booked through, uh, um, excuse me, uh, mauriceclaretteonline.com. I also, uh, one of the, uh, one of the other bigger things I do is, uh, business and biceps with, uh, Corey and John Fosco. Uh, that is, uh, one of the things that I think is, uh, I call it like my therapeutic platform. Uh, I, I love those dudes and what we're able to do on a weekly basis. And I also, uh, run the Red Zone. The Red Zone, uh, we're a mental health and recovery agency for adults and adolescents. Uh, I probably employ about 150 people now. Uh, we're, uh, awesome. both in the city of Youngstown, also Columbus, where I live at. Uh, I travel back and forth, uh, running, uh, both offices and places. And, uh, a lot of what was learned either through, uh, mental health, I call it mental wellness, uh, the importance of mental wellness and, and people being mentally fit and well and understanding that is a thing just as much as we understand that physical fitness is a thing. And, you know, if you want a bigger chest and bigger triceps, there's many different platforms, uh, that you can go and find that. But, uh, uh understanding that mental wellness and your mental fitness, uh, to endure all the stresses and traumas and, and, and situations of life, that those are things and, and ultimately neglecting my mental health is what kind of put me in a downward spiral for 10 years. And I'm using a platform when I go and speak to people uh, and tell my story I'm talking about and raising awareness and giving education that these are things. But be it through me personally speaking, the platform, the podcast, or the uh, the, the the technical part uh, with our facility with social workers and counselors and everything. I love uh, working with those people uh, because, you know, we, we directly tie into what's going on inside the country. You see a lot of people uh, going through personal shit, be it trauma, be it stress, be it, be it everything through this opioid epidemic and, and relating uh, your mental wellness or your mental fitness or your mental condition uh, and the linkage or the correlation to it uh, is highly important. I just try to use my story. Uh, to inspire, to motivate, and to encourage. That's fucking awesome, Maurice. You're a hell of a human, brother. I hope you know that from the streets of Youngstown to what you're doing now is absolutely incredible. I I, I do hope you know that you are inspiring, encouraging, and motivating humans on a regular basis. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and chit-chat. Quick question, though. I don't want to bring it back up. At any point, did you think you were the next Pablo Escobar or anything when you were selling drugs? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't like this. So, so I think just like everything else, I think every kid, uh, even when they're doing uh, uh, illegal activity, you know what I'm saying, I think that every kid wants to uh, have success uh, and, and they want to be the best at what they're doing. 
and I'll say this just to, just to make it known, because uh, you know some people it's the internet world they take things out of context. It's not nothing that I I, I promote. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if I can do it all over again, I probably wouldn't do uh, most of the stupid shit that I've done. Uh, but I'm I'm happy to come out on the other side because you know fuck I could have been dead, I could be in jail for a lifetime, I couldn't be on this platform talking to you, and uh and, and just being here, being healthy, being a sound mind. Uh, and being able to speak, you know, from where I'm at right now is, is a blessing. And so I appreciate the opportunity, my brother. Uh, it's cool. Like, I had no clue that, uh, that that your platform was as huge as it was uh, just because I wasn't just dialed into the Internet. Even though I'm on the Internet all the time, I wasn't <laughs> just dialed in. But it's cool to see you transition and take uh, what you've done uh, to different heights just being a fellow football alone. Well, I appreciate that, and not a lot of people know that I'm a monster, Maurice. It's just uh, I just live out here. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you so much, man. MauriceClaretteOnline.com, Business and Biceps Podcast is a very good one, and what you're doing with the Red Zone is incredible. Thank you so much for opening up here, and it's nice to know that you do have that elite mindset that no matter what you do, you want to become the best. I respect that so much. Ladies and gentlemen, an absolute legend of a human, a man that's going to leave a lot more good than any of the small negative he has done in this world, Maurice Claret. Thank you so much, Maurice. Thank you, my brother. Hey, cheers, man. Take care. All right, thank you. I loved it. Oh, I absolutely loved that conversation with him. We had it yesterday, and last night I thought about it a lot. How about them stacking charges, Todd, like cops? Yeah, that's actions. a bullshit move. That's a state trooper move right there. <laughs> for sure. 36 yeah. infractions for the cell phone. Not just, hey, you have a cell phone. Mm. Each month they paid as an infraction, a sanction. That was a Grigson move. And it was yeah. bullshit. It was just the NCAA just... And, and, I've been anti-NCAA for a long time. I think I might have been one of the leaders of the charge to bash the NCAA way back. And it's because I watch things that happen to my teammates and watch stuff happen. There's a lot of people that love the NCAA. I think the NCAA does a lot of good, too. I mean, college football, college basketball, all the everything is just solid, you know? But goddamn, there's some real badge-heavy sons of bitches over there, man. I just don't know how they can sleep at night. I don't either. Ruining, I mean, they're trying to ruin kids. They what ruin, you doing? You're ruining a kid. They legitimately ruin Maurice Claret's life. Yeah. They, I mean, Ohio, Ohio State guy did as well. But the NCAA helped. I mean, that was ruining his life. They sent him on a path of destruction back to the streets. Yeah. The he streets. bounced back because he's an amazing person, but... Usually that wouldn't happen. Had to hit rock bottom. Yeah, it seems like they're just punishing and not helping reform. You can do both. You can punish him for the you can give him the sanctions, but you can also help him and guide him so he doesn't fall into that street life again. Uh But they didn't see any more cash value. Exactly. That's so they just cut him loose. That's what it comes down to. Exactly right. Asking him if he thought he was going to be Pablo Escobar. By the way, I was very (laughs) he was trying to move past it. I heard him trying to move past it like twice. I was like, I gotta ask (laughs) though. Okay, did you think you were going to be a good drug dealer? At least did you? Like, yeah, man, I I wanted to be the best. He said, (laughs) no gangs. It didn't work for any gangs. Ran his own little operation. I respect that. A little entrepreneurialism. That business and biceps podcast is pretty cool to listen to. The guy who started Muscle Farm and then sold it for hundreds of millions of dollars. Corey Gregory from Columbus, Ohio. John Fosco, who was a UFC agent, I believe, back in the day. And uh, Maurice Claret chatting about life is cool. I think you should go check that out. That Red Zone thing is really cool. He's giving back to the community that he felt probably he was a part of for a long time. Yeah, that's awesome. It is really cool. I'm thankful Maurice Claret joined us. Mm -hmm. He was really, really open, really, really cool. And uh, very, very thankful. Another guy who was really cool for me, a uh, guy who took me in under his wing when I got to the NFL. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining me now is one of my favorite teammates I've ever had in my entire life. 
He's a BCS national champion, a Super Bowl champion, a man who is a first-round draft pick for the Indianapolis Colts, running back, standing at 5'11", 215 pounds, wore the number 29, Joseph Kwahu Dua Adai Jr. I love it. I love it. How are you, man? I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing real good. Where are you? are down in Houston right now on full-time daddy duty, full-time husband duty, just living the world down there? All that, man. Yes, I'm in Houston. It's taking up more time than I did when I was, in, when I was playing ball, Pat. It's crazy. <laughs> you enjoy being a father down there? Oh, yeah. No, I'm enjoying every bit of it. I saw, your, bit of it. I saw your kid Jalen playing all the musical instruments, dancing. You got some talented little kids down there. Look, Pat, look, man. One thing I learned about football, man, and this is a serious part of it, not to put all your eggs in one basket. Good call, though. Right. Oh, man, football is so controlled. And what I mean by it is people in the world that's trying to go to the NFL or the NBA. And we know so many people come so short and they get their feelings hurt or whatever. So my thing is to expose my son. Even though he likes playing football, even though he likes playing basketball, I want to expose him to other things or whatever. So his mind can grow a little bit more. Well, I respect that a lot. That's good fatherhood, by the way. Will you let your kid play football? It sounds like you are letting him play football and stuff like that. Did you-, you know what? I went through a whole thing with him, right? So the first time he wanted to play or whatever, I signed him up for flag football just to have fun. Then the next year, I actually took him to a Little League football game the whole year so he can see the action because a lot of these kids, they come out there to play football because they've seen their favorite player on TV catch the ball, and they don't really know what is going on out there, right? So I want him to really understand, understand the injuries, understand all that. And with that, Pat, daddy, I still want to play. So <laughs> I have to be out there with him or whatever. I kind of micromanage him and make sure that he's not taking on any big hits or whatever so he can enjoy the game. Uh, as a running back, you're talking about a position that gets slaughtered on a very regular basis. How's your body? How's the brain? You are a BCS national champ, Super Bowl champ, uh, just a, a running back legend. Uh, how's the body? How's the brain feel after the wear and tear? Oh, man, I do rehab twice a week. Just trying to maintain, man, my back, my knee, shoulders, having this little... Um, the little injuries or whatever, man, that lingers on, man. The running back position, man, I loved it, but that's something I would not let my kids play. <laughs> just because of what you just said, Pat, man. You get hit. You get you get hit when you have the ball. You get hit when you're not having the ball. You get protection. You get hit every play. So that's something that I do not want my kids to play is that position. Do you, do you watch um... – Todd Gurley or the running back position now and do you understand why do you feel for why Lev Bell is not performing not showing up or do you think he should for 14 million in the franchise tag be there or do you feel like hey he's going to get drove to the ground here when this is just a one year rent a player basically for the Pittsburgh Steelers I'm going to say this Pat man I don't know the ins and outs about him and what's going on with him but as a running back I know we do think about uh, life after football right I uh, Bell is a guy that I'm pretty sure is selling tickets, that his jerseys are getting sold. I'm pretty sure he's thinking about all these different things, and he knows at the end of the day, he's not going to come out on top, meaning his body, his mind, right? Once again, the running back is one of the hardest positions, so I think he wants to get his money up front, knowing that he's going to do a lot of damage throughout his career. So I don't blame him for 
trying to get more money. Well, me neither, by the way. <laughs> if I wish. <laughs> Not at all, Pat, man. Listen, that, that's crucial, man. I, I have some days, Pat, man, I'm limping. I can show you a video, man. I have to go use the bathroom, and it probably took me 30 minutes to get to the restaurant. How old are you? 35. God damn, living like a 70-year-old down there in Jersey, a fucking old-ass man. Hey, I'm telling you, man, some days I look good, but some days it gets bad, man. So <laughs> as far as contract, I talked to the fan. I talked to this Pittsburgh Steelers fan yesterday at my son's concert, and she was talking to me from a fan's point of view, and I understood. But the thing with, with fans, fans want to be entertaining. I get that part of it or whatever, but they don't consider everything. They don't look at the bigger picture you get what i'm coming from from what somebody wants so it's not so much about all oh, these NFL players are making money this is the standard this is the standard or whatever so they have to live by the standard it doesn't mean oh i'm i'm getting a million dollars on bliss a million dollars is a lot of money but when you're looking at it from that perspective it's not a lot of money when you think about you're doing the same thing that these other guys are doing or your name is just as big as these other guys or whatever so you want the same type of money i get that and when i explained that to her she understood it you were one of the greatest teammates I've ever had in any sport. And I'm saying that as... Man, I appreciate that, man. No, but <laughs> you took me in as a friend when basically nobody else... in All the white dudes were all super old and married. <laughs> uh, the only other white guy really in my draft class was a Mormon who was 55 and married. So you... <laughs> You, you and Clint Session took me in when nobody else really would. You're, you're the greatest teammate I've ever had. Hey, man, I'm glad I can be that to you, man. Hopefully, man, I can remain a friend, man, outside of this football. That's one thing that I love about this football, man, that you have uh, long-time friendships with people, man. So I'm glad I can be that person to you, man. Clint Session, dumbest human you've ever been around? <laughs> Clint Session, man. He, <laughs> Clint Session, man. He's a that's he's a different character. That's what I'm gonna say. Session, I love that dude, man. I, I love that. Uh, we were talking the other day. Um, Clint Session is somebody that made me enjoy playing for the Colts, man. Like this coming to meetings or whatever, right? You know, you're gonna get something crazy out of Clint. I remember one time I was at Clint's house, and I was. I think we were in his living room, and he had NFL Network on TV, and some talking head was saying something, and he made me stop talking so he could listen to this talking head. And I was like, I'm sorry. And he was like, oh, they might have gave me some clues on what they're going to do this week. Like, <laughs> 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 and, and I, hey, hey, that's the craziest thing. Here's the craziest way he thinks. He gets something from that. Yes. Like, that is Clint. I, I remember, you know what, we can talk about a whole bunch of stories with Clint, but I don't think it'll be appropriate. <laughs> you already know why. <laughs> 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 but he, <laughs> he has some crazy stories, right? Yeah. Respectfully, though, he has some crazy stories or whatever that he only believes. That's the cra- I think that's what makes Clint Clint. Clint led the Colts and tackles for like four years straight, and it was so interesting to me on how he had – um, offensive football for dummies book in his living room. <laughs> and I never, I, I was on some vitamins over there and I was just looking around. And I'm like, this guy is like an elite linebacker. I'm like, I wonder why he's so good. And I see this offensive football for dummies book out. Like it has been read. And I just started crying, laughing. Cause you know, Clint, and you know, Something like that. It has to be him, right? Yep. Like he's that type of guy. And he can't stand his on the field. 
How's your so whatever works, man? Yeah, clean it, clean it with something else. How was your Mario Kart game? You still play with your kids? Man, no, I have, I play with my oldest. He understands that game or whatever, but he's more into Madden and Live and Fortnite, all that or whatever. So sometimes I'm, I'm by myself on the Mario Kart. <laughs> right, I'm, some of the guys or whatever uh, not being around. Like me and Reggie, me and Reggie talked about Mario Kart and Guitar Hero the other day. How was that? That we playing. Yeah, some of the stuff we used to play in training camp or whatever, man. Yeah, I don't, I can't play like that with my kids because they into the new stuff, man. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna get into chit chatting about football on TV or on the radio, or are you just kind of hanging out? What is the future yeah, for you? Know what? I mean, I, I have a, I have a gym on the north side. That's that's one thing. But as far as football, this is my perspective on sports. Period or whatever, right? I don't, I don't watch football like that. I watch the Colts and I watch LSU. I may pick a game on an uh, extra game on Sunday to watch, but I'm not watching football like that to know the details as far as who's doing what. Even with um, I don't know if you have a situation going on, but I don't know the ins and outs of what's going on. So I don't think I'm there yet to be able to have a full conversation about what's going on in the NFL. You cut them dreads. I cut it was too hot. <laughs> it's too hot oh it's too hot in houston i went to africa i went to ghana and this is my first time going to ghana even though my parents are from there this is my first time officially going to ghana and all i'm thinking is it's not this hot in ghana the way it is in houston <laughs> it's not it's oh my god it's not it's oh but yeah, I cut the dreads off, man. Not only that, man, I'm getting older. And not to say I don't, uh, the dreads are a childish thing, but I have boys and I do want them to see me different from them. So even my approach to the way I dress or the way I look, I want them to see me as daddy and not see me as their equal. And the dreads was one of those things that I cut off just to kind of go to the next, next phase of my life. Are you a hard ass dad? No, no, I'm a likable dad, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real likable dad, man. I, uh, Pat, we've seen it. We've seen everything. We've seen the ins and outs, and that's one thing football does, man. You get so many different characters that you see, and you can pick up on certain things. You get what I'm coming from, and I think that's how I like to describe myself with my kids as far as showing them different things. The conversation, that's one thing that we didn't do a lot growing up is have conversations. And we know how much conversation can make someone grow. So that's the thing that I'm always doing is talking to my boys. And I may talk a little bit too much or whatever, right? I want to make sure they're getting all this information. But I like to think I'm a, a likable dad. Well, that's good. What's your favorite memory from playing for the Colts? Favorite memory? Man, with the fellas, man. I remember, okay, one memory that I got in my head is Reggie. Reggie Wayne. I mess with Reggie about this, man. I feel like he scares all the the rookies that comes in. I never fucking talked to the guy, Joe. I was at your house like I, four I times a week. Tell me about that. I remember you came in. <laughs> came in, Joe. What's up with Reggie? <laughs> like Pat. Wait a little while. He's going to be okay, right? I promise you, Reggie came in. Let me tell you my stories, right? So when I came in, right, first round, just like you said, I'm a quiet person, but I came in. Peyton did what he did, right? <laughs> Joe, hey, listen, anything you need, just let me know, man. We're going to try to take over. We're going to do what we do or whatever, man. Any questions you have, right? Just like a quarterback should, like, okay, uh, he's making me feel comfortable. Meet Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison butchers my last name. He butchers it. He called me Adidas or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and all I'm thinking is, I know you've been watching the draft and all this. Whatever, you can get my name right. <laughs> you think I said anything? 
No, I did not say anything to him. I, how you doing, boy? I was just that or whatever. Now, you come to Reggie. Reggie came and introduced himself. But it was like a scary introduction, right? Hey, my name is Reggie Wayne. And I almost felt like when he shook my hand, Pat, he rubbed my handshake on the side of his pants as if he had something on his hands. That's what I felt, right? Because the way he did it. Like, okay, I got to get, because you know, you come in, you got to get the respects of the older guys. You got to, that's just a thing you have to do, right? So, time goes by, I did my thing the first year. Reggie called me all season. Yo, you're going to be my my uh, roommate for training, cl- training camp. Click. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. You think I called him back and said anything? No, I was excited to be his roommate. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, when yeah. you came and told me your story, I'm like, Pat, I know exactly what you're going through. Exactly what you're going through. Mm. Reggie is a hard ass man. He could scare someone. Eight years later, he never fucking called me. I thought he hated I white people. Him on the show, man. I ain't no fuck no. I didn't ever have a conversation <laughs> with him. I, I, I thought he hated white people, Joe. I honestly thought he hated white people. <laughs> no, not at all, man. Not at all, man. I think it's that New Orleans in him, right? Just naturally, just he has this this thing about him or whatever, right? He's a great person. But when you meet him, you you almost scared. You almost gotta think twice before you go up to Reggie. That's that's what it is about him. I, so he didn't talk to me for like two years. We just so happened to be on the same plane back from Fort Lauderdale back to Indianapolis. He was flying yeah. back home. It was like I don't know if it was off season or something like that. I was down there just vacationing, and I got on the plane first. I'm flying first class. I have money. It's nice. So I get up there and I'm sitting in the front row. And I got on early, and I just I don't I might have passed out or something like that. And I wake up, and we're already in the air. We're like forty five minutes into the flight, and I hear a voice two rows back, and I'm like, "That's fucking Reggie Wayne." So I I, I like do a little turnaround, and I can't see him because the seats, you know. And he's talking to this white guy, and I'm like, "Oh, that must be his agent or something." Full conversation, <laughs> full conversation, laughing. They're laughing, Joe. I'm telling you, like jovial high fiving. And then when the plane when we go to get off the plane. The guy goes, it was very nice meeting you, Mr. Wayne. And he's like, <laughs> and Reggie's like, you too? I'm like, this motherfucker. <laughs> you didn't get that treatment at all, right? Like, hold on, he talks to white people? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought, Joe. I was not happy about it. I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I think that was, Matt, the, yeah. I understand. I understand what you went through, man. Like, you got to get Reggie on the oil on your show, man. You got to, you got to talk about this, man. <sighs> I don't know. Robert Mathis, <laughs> Robert Mathis, one of the most intimidating humans on earth. Good friend of mine. You, good, good friend of mine. <laughs> Reggie fucking Wayne, though. Zero conversations. <laughs> Ten years of potentially knowing him. Hey, um, you look back on your time in the NFL. Positive, you say? Yeah, overall positive? Yes, I would say that. I would, I would actually say that. Um, I would say that, man, because, once again, football, man, is the – Probably one of the only sports that you need the next guy to be successful. You get what I'm coming from? Yep. Uh, when basketball, it doesn't matter. Point guard, shooting guard, center. Everybody gets a chance to shoot the ball. Everybody gets a chance to showcase their skills. So the way I look at football and, and sports all together, it's a privilege. right? It's a privilege to play it because everybody don't get a chance to play it. So in my mind, that's automatically a positive. You get what I'm coming from? Yep. Um, for whatever reason um, – as far as us running the ball, like, towards the end of my career or whatever, didn't go so well or whatever, I have nobody to blame. I'm not blaming nobody. I'm not blaming nobody on the bus. 
uh, whatever the case may be, it's football. It happens that way. So for me, I feel like it, it went well for me. Well, I think I would agree, man. You're a college champ, pro champ, and it sounds like you're dominating this adulthood thing too. Now, granted, taking 30 minutes to go take a shit is an old man thing. <laughs> you might need we might need to get you one of them buttons, like if you've fallen and need help, like, Joe, <laughs> <laughs> lifeline or whatever it is. Life alert. Hey, yeah. You're exactly right. <laughs> Life alert. <laughs> you're exactly right, sir. You're hey. exactly right. Right now, I tell my wife every time I'm going to the restroom, so if I don't come out, <laughs> that's, that's what's going on right now. <laughs> All right. Well, tell the family I said hello, Joe. I'm so thankful you joined us. Keep dominating. I can't wait to see what you do in the future. And once again, thank you so much for being such a good teammate and friend whenever I was young, man. I appreciate that a lot. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Anytime, man. Give me a call. All right. Hey, you, um... I won't put you on blast at the moment. Ooh. <laughs> Whatever it is, I got scared. <laughs> you still uh, dance with the vitamins every once in a while? Uh, the, the, um... No, you're a father. <laughs> of course you don't. All right, perfect. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, an absolute legend of a human being. Uh, and what I just learned is when people say it's Africa hot, it's completely wrong. <laughs> you need to be saying... It's completely wrong, Pat. I'm telling you. Now, listen, for the people that may be in Indy or Chicago where it's hot and you go to Africa, okay, it, it, you will be hot. But me being from down south, being in Houston, being in Louisiana, Africa is not this hot. <laughs> oh, my God, it's not this hot. I'm telling you, Pat, it's not. It's different. It's, I was sweating out there, don't get me wrong, because of the climate, right? Anytime you go to the tropics, you're going to feel it, right? You go to uh, Jamaica, you go to Bahamas, you're going to feel something no matter what because the climate is different. But in the States, when you go outside, you almost have to put on glasses, right, just because to protect your eyes or whatever. Over there, I didn't have to do that. Even though the sun is out, I didn't have to do that. So all of that stuff I'm thinking about, I'm outside at 2 o'clock out there in Ghana. Houston, I don't come outside until 7.30. So you come from the heat is so different or whatever, right? Like, I didn't know the world was that different as far as the, the temperature. I'm thinking every place is hot. Africa is hot, right? The the uh, perception of it being so hot down there or whatever. Now you're coming down. I mean, you get a chance to go down there and compare the two. Houston is, is horrible, man. It's called the weather. It's called the weather, man. It's too hot out here. <sighs> well, stay safe down there. If you don't make it out till 730, you probably start making that trek from your bedroom about 645 to make it out to your front door. I've seen your house down there. That place is beautiful. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. You're the absolute man. Are you on the internet at all? What are your social media handles? People can follow along. Uh, it's simple. It's Joseph Adai 713 on Instagram. Uh, same thing on Facebook. I'm just on Facebook and Instagram. Well, we appreciate you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, champion of life joseph adai thank you joe thanks buddy hey good luck with the kids donner appreciate it man <laughs> hey the vitamin answer is one of the funniest answers i've heard in my entire life <laughs> <laughs> have a good one man you too man cheers i love joe man he's the coolest oh man i'm a big fan smooth he, dude he did a lot of good for the colts too he's Ugh. a good player he was on his way to get a mvp super bowl mvp there the time we lost to the saints 
And then all of a sudden, you know, everything happened, whatever it is. And by the way, hanging out with him and Clint Session was a good time. <laughs> it was boy, they taught me a lot. <laughs> they taught me a lot about life as you heard. He was also incredible at Mario Kart. Joseph Adai had a Mario Kart setup in his living room that was awesome. I think he could have possibly beat Zito, who's the greatest Mario Kart player I've ever seen. No, in- I'm the greatest. I do believe there is a chance you are the greatest Mario Kart player on Earth. I think so, too. I, I honestly think there is a chance you're the greatest. A lot of practice. That's all it takes. A lot of practice. <laughs> this is an open call, by the way. If anybody thinks they can beat yeah. Zito in Mario Kart, I would love to hear from you. We'll put it on the Twitch stream. We'll keep cool. it moving. I don't think you can, by the way. Not a chance. I think Zito's the greatest, and I also believe that the underwear I'm currently wearing right now around my thighs, taint, balls, and whole operation is the greatest pair of underwear I've ever put on in the history. We all wear it. Ladies and gentlemen, Tommy John. When it comes to comfort down below, there's underwear and there's Tommy John. Mm. The revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including us. To put it simply, Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three of them. Fabric, fit, and function. That video that guy, that video of this guy, that guy this weekend watching the old Miss tailgate. That literally made me laugh. <laughs> Just some southern guy watching the ESPN tailgate show, and there's some sweet lady from Ole Miss being interviewed on ESPN about why they're tailgates. Well, down here, we, we live by the three Fs. Food, family, and some country guy recorded on his cell phone. And fuck it. <laughs> I, bro, I laughed way too hard at that. I, I honestly, I was embarrassed by myself with how hard I laughed at it. He sent it to me. No caption at all. He just sent it to me on a tweet. And I watched it, and I legitimately laughed way too hard. I'm like, oh, I'm such a simple human. And, you know, I used to wear very simple underwear. Mm. Just pick up that cotton bullshit from the yeah. stores. And then all of a sudden, Tommy John was introduced to my life. Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport a no-wedgie guarantee. Comfortable stay-put waistbands in a range of fabrics that are luxuriously feather-light, soft, moisture-wicking, breathable, and designed to move with you, not against you. That means there's no bunching and no riding up. Tommy John is so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee. Not the second best, Mm-mm. not the third best, Mm-mm. not the, oh, these are one of the best pairs I've ever worn. No, no. If it isn't the best pair you ever wear, it's free, guaranteed. That includes a new life-changing women's underwear that's sold out in just six weeks, which is now fully back in stock. Give three Fs about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John today. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash America for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash America for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash America. Big shout-out to Tommy John. Big, 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 big mm. shout-out to Tommy John. All right, let's get to, um, let's get to a giveaway here. Oh, I like a good giveaway. Hashtag Endgame, hashtag Endgame. The first person to tweet myself, Ty Schmidt, Foxy, Viva Lazito, at Nick Moraldo, at Diggs with a Z, and at Todd McComas. This word wins some of our new merch, by the way, which is hot on the streets right now. Hot on the streets. Hot on the streets. We broke another website, by the way, with the, Not a big deal. With the merch. That's three websites we broke. Anchor, the podcast app, mm-hmm. first day. My bookie, mm-hmm. Printful. Mm-hmm. That's all we do. What's next? Hopefully everything. <laughs> Hopefully everything. 
It's awesome. You guys are so active. You are so fucking active. I appreciate it. Maybe use hashtag Endgame, hashtag Endgame, at us, and then just have the quote, I think we broke it. In quotations. I think we broke it. Nice. With a picture of somebody in a tech room <laughs> scrambling to fix the website that we broke. That would be, you'll win some free merch if Ty Schmidt likes it. Um, and today's show was brought to you by a box of awesome. Oh. Hmm. So, good. so awesome. It's, well, it's, it's awesome. A, it's a whole box of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're constantly on the go, grinding away at work or out with your friends, there's not much time to think about upgrading your style or apartment. That's why I love getting hooked up with Box of Awesome from Bespoke Post every month. These guys are scouting for quality and unique products to send to us. Now you can experience it too at boxofawesome.com. I love, and I told you guys about this the other day when it showed up. I love their new cocktail aging kit and their oh, coffee brewing yeah. items. Oh, it makes me feel like I'm on uh, Bar Rescue. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm the like the cocktail expert. Yeah. Mixologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the coffee thing makes me feel like I'm in like a full hipster diner. <laughs> and it just showed up at the at the office here in a box of awesome. It's basically fall, and fall to me screams coffee and old fashions. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And bing bang boom, box of awesome hands yeah. on. <laughs> To get started, visit boxofawesome.com and answer a few short questions that will help them get a feel for the boxes that will best go with your Mm -hmm. style. Not everybody's style is the same. No, No, Mm -mm. it's not. There's some differences. Mm. Whether you're in search for the perfect drink, a well-kept pad, or jet-setting in style, Bespoke Post improves your life one box at a time. Each box goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. That's a $20 deal off a jump street. Wow. That's a $20 deal off a of jump, just to, to begin with. The first of each month, you'll receive an email in your box of details. You'll have five days to change colors and sizes or add extra goods to your box. If you're not feeling that month's box, then simply skip it. Skip it. Just say, you know what? Meh. I'm going to wait till next month. I'll get you next time. Do. Catch me the next time around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From barrel aging kits to limited edition cigars. Weekender bags to classy dob kits. Uh Bespoke Post offers essential goods and guidance for the modern man, Mm -hmm. which is what you are. To receive 20% off your first subscription box, which is already at a discount, go to boxofawesome.com and enter code HEARTLAND at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code HEARTLAND for 20% off your first box. Bespoke Post, theme boxes for guys that give a damn, man. Another giveaway. What's in the box? Awesome. Come on, what's in the box? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Another giveaway. Hashtag Endgame. Hashtag Endgame. Go ahead and send us your box of awesome. Yikes. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get some photos. Don't do, that. don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Send us a picture of something awesome. Yeah. You can also win some merch. Hashtag Endgame. Hashtag Endgame. You send us, I think we broke it. First one to do that, you win. And uh, a picture of something awesome, the one that makes Ty Schmidt laugh, win some of our new merch. For the brand shirt, probably. Getting sent your way, because I appreciate you respecting and appreciating the brand. Mm-hmm. Big thanks to Maurice Claret. Big thanks to Joseph Adai. On Thursday, Albert Breer from Monday Morning Quarterback joins us. And uh, I'm not sure who else. We're working on a couple other guests. We'll see how that goes. I'll be doing a show live with my friends from Orlando, Florida. Doing some stuff with <laughs> Nice. The- nice. <laughs> the WWE. Oh. You ever heard of him? You might have heard of him. Pu- I've heard of him. Publicly traded company. Oh, yeah. Worth a lot of money. They International. Brought, they were the WWE. Before that World Wildlife Foundation came in and fucked everything up. Huh? 
We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> they hired the ringer to come in, though, and create some content. I'm excited to be That's down awesome. there. Uh, and we'll be doing a show live from there. I think it's going to be good. 11.50 a.m. on mybookie.ag. You can bet now on whether or not I will make 21 cornholes in five minutes. I'll be doing that live from Orlando. I think it's a pretty simple one. Go ahead and hammer that fucking over. Let's, um, <laughs> let's keep it moving. Let's have the best Tuesday of all time. We'll be back on Thursday. Heartland Radio 2.0 tomorrow. Uh, thank you so much. Hashtag in game. Hashtag in game. Picture of awesome. And also, hashtag, uh, quote, I think we broke it. You probably already lost if you haven't tweeted it yet. But that's neither here nor there. Thank you so much for fucking with us. Uh, Ty Schmidt, hit the no music.